0: Hello, America. Welcome to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast-to-coast across the USA, 153 affiliates strong. Thanks to all of you in our listening audience. Our newest affiliate, we want to welcome on board KNGC in Amarillo, Texas, 97.9 FM, 750 AM. We're happy to have them as part of our family and want to thank our syndicator at Radio America for bringing them on board. Our producer today, the always perfect Mr. Darren Wilhite, I'm your host, Kerry Hall. This is your show, America. Thank you again for joining us. If you have any questions today, I have guests in studio. You can call, however. Operators are standing by. If you have questions, we can help you with anything. Feel free to do so. 877 385 2224. As always, we have operators standing by to take your calls. You will not be put on air, but leave your information with them. I will get back to you after the broadcast. You can also follow me on Facebook if you would like to do that at America's Healthcare Advocate or the other one is Carrie Hall. As I always say, I don't know why I have two, but I do, so I do what they tell me to do. It's spelled C-A-R-Y, Hall. That's pretty simple. Um, and all of our shows are posted up on that Facebook page. And, of course, there is the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com, americashealthcareadvocate.com. of videos up there, lots of information on everything from Medicare for All to how to buy a Medicare policy. So there's lots of information on the website. You can also send me an email from that website, americashealthcareadvocate. All right. Joining me in studio today, a show I've been looking forward to doing for some time, Dr. Scott Abraham from Apex Orthopedic Sports and Medicine. Welcome,
1: doctor. Thank you for having us on today.
0: Well, you know, I'm glad you took time out of your schedule to be here because this is going to be an interesting show. So for all of you out there who are chronologically challenged or who may have knee issues from sports, from running, from soccer, whatever the case may be, we're going to do a really neat show today. We're going to be talking about arthritis and and, and knee issues, and we're going to be talking about a relatively new procedure, which is robotic-assisted knee surgery. We're going to talk about how that works, what are the symptoms, how do you avoid having knee surgery? So- we're really happy to have Dr. in studio with us today and be able to discuss this topic in detail. Uh, Dr. Abraham uh, is a graduate of uh, KU, uh, Kansas University of Kansas, and did his internship in orthopedic surgery at the University of Tennessee. He is also a member of the American College of Orthopedic Surgeons, and I think he's about six foot three, and he played mm-hmm. basketball at York College for four years. So welcome on, to have you on the show today. Thank you. you so, so you didn't play basketball at KU, but you did play,
1: did, didn't quite make the the team at KU, doctor, not quite good enough to be on the uh, on the Jayhawk team, but I did play at a small college. Well, you, yes,
0: you certainly went to a school that had that had a. Uh Uh, that that has a reputation as as being a great basketball school so all right so let's start off just by talking about osteoarthritis this is a big issue as i said especially for people that are chronologically challenged my wife has it um i you know i have a little of it um it seems as you age arthritis becomes your friend (laughs) whether you want it to or not so let's talk a little bit about that and then and then we'll get into some of the other topics doctor
1: sure um so arthritis is, is really, the, osteoarthritis is really the most common type of arthritis that we see. Uh, uh, more common in people age 45 and older. So um, that's, you know, a large uh, patient population there. Um, knee arthritis in particular is actually more common in women than in men. That's interesting. So the, um, you know, probably two thirds of the knee replacements that I do are in women as opposed to men. Um, and I think that's just, uh, there's multiple factors involved in that. Uh, but that that truly is the facts of it. So it's very common. So how does how does the
0: osteoarthritis present itself? How do you, you know you, you, how do you know whether you've got um, osteoarthritis or whether it's something else? And then and, and we'll talk about severity and all the rest of it. But how does it present to start right. with?
1: Usually the the main presenting complaint that people have is pain. So they they have pain with activities, particularly weight bearing activities, walking, uh, maybe running. Um, a lot of times, pain at night—believe uh, it or not—when people are losing sleep, that's when they want to come in to see somebody. They want to figure out why they're losing sleep, and so night pain is actually a very common symptom of osteoarthritis. Uh, the, that's stiffness is also involved, swelling of the joint. Uh, people can can notice swelling in their in their knee joint, and so that will bring them in. But usually, the number one presenting complaint is pain.
0: All right, so so. Y- y- and, and what, what happens then, at least from the information I've received, you know, before we did the broadcast, was the lining uh, becomes pitted in a road. What What is that what the arthritis is causing?
1: So, so really what arthritis is, it's a wearing out of the cartilage surfaces on the ends of the bones. So our joints are made of the bones coming together, but covering those bones is a layer of cartilage. And so osteoarthritis in particular is when that cartilage gets worn out. And it can be so worn that it's bone on bone. And that's when people, you hear the term bone-on-bone arthritis. And so that's what happens. There's no cartilage left. And that cartilage is there as a shock absorber, as a cushion against the stress across that joint. And so when it's not there, the bones don't like that. And that hurts, causes pain, causes swelling. Okay, so if you
0: were, so in my younger years, um, I I did a lot of running. I ran 5Ks, 10Ks, I never did the marathon thing, but I did an enormous amount of running. I ran Mm -hmm. every day, usually three to five miles, just as exercise. So uh, I'm assuming that people that did a lot of that, especially street running okay, mm-hmm. and on, on hard surface, et cetera, that they're more prone to see these kind of things manifest you know, themselves because you pounded on that knee right. all the time you are out there
1: running? I, th- I think that's sometimes a very common misconception. There's really? actually been no studies that have proven that runners have a higher rate of arthritis than the general population. Osteoarthritis is multifactorial. There's a genetic component to it. Okay. There's a... a um, there's a weight component to it. People that are overweight are higher risk for um, osteoarthritis. Uh, there's a previous knee injury history component to it. So there's a lot of things that factor in to osteoarthritis. Um, yes, maybe high stress things such as running could be a factor, but but running in and of itself is not um, a precursor to arthritis. Interesting. So bone spurs, how prevalent are bone spurs
0: in this whole scenario?
1: So so we typically do see bone spurs um, as a finding on x-ray, but um, the bone spurs are secondary to the arthritis. They're the body's response to the inflammation of the joint. And so the bone spurs in and of themselves are actually not painful. The part that's painful, remember, is the fact that the bone is not protected any longer. The bone is rubbing on bone, and it's creating this large inflammatory response in the joint that's causing the pain. Okay, so let's go back. You, you talked a little bit about genetics. How,
0: it, how, what, who is more at risk? For instance, if you look at breast cancer, mm-hmm. the Brexit gene um, for Ashkenazi Jewish heritage people sure. is significantly prevalent uh, for women to manifest breast cancer. Is there is there anything like that in this issue or any particular genetic pool that's more common than another?
1: Not in osteoarthritis. We don't have a, um, at least to my knowledge, there's not a, a direct um, chromosome or genetic link. We just know that people that have... Um, parents that have osteoarthritis are more likely to have it. I don't think we are as uh, specific as in other types of disease processes such as breast cancer like you mentioned. So if it's in your family, if it's prevalent in your family, you have a pretty good chance you're going to get that, you're going to
0: inherit that little piece of genetics.
1: There's a good chance. There are other types of arthritis that are genetic, um, like rheumatoid arthritis or psoriatic arthritis. Not, we're not really talking about those today, but there are other genetic arthritic processes that that are more specific to the actual okay. chromosome. Right. So
0: in this country, seventy percent of the people are obese, morbidly obese or overweight, okay? So ha- having said that, and you said weight's a factor, yes. Um, you know, if you're if you're toting around an extra forty or fifty pounds, I'm not talking about somebody who's ten pounds overweight. I'm talking about somebody that is obese or morbidly obese. How significant is that? Uh, in in pushing you toward this particular issue?
1: Well, obviously, that extra stress across the knee puts extra stress on the cartilage, and it can wear out sooner. I tell my patients all the time, if you lose a pound, your knee thinks you lost four pounds. Really? So our knees see four times our body weight when we're in single leg stance walking. So if you lose 10 pounds, the knee thinks you lost 40. So so, uh, certainly obesity um, is is a large factor uh, in the history of osteoarthritis. Well, I
0: just dropped 11 pounds, so I'm really glad to hear that. Good for you. <laughs> My knees are probably happier to hear it. because They are. That's, that's very interesting. That's information we didn't know. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're coming on the break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about how to diagnose um, uh, the osteoarthritis, and then we're going to talk about what are the alternatives? Do you immediately look at surgery or do you not? All right, how does all that work and, and, and how does Dr. Abraham and the folks over at Apex, how do they do that? So we're going to come back after the break. We'll talk more about it. The doctor is in the house. Stay tuned. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate broadcasting here on the HIA radio network coast to coast across the USA. We'll be right back with more. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HIA Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. By the way, you know, you listen to this show, you want to tell a friend, maybe you want to tell your mom, your dad, your grandmother, whatever the case may be. We post these on podcasts. They're up there on Tuneins, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spreaker. There's a whole slew of them up there, and, and you can get the podcast, listen to the podcast you want to tell somebody. You know what? You need to hear this. Dr. Abraham gave a great you know, discussion about knee surgery and all the rest of it, what you need to be aware of. Go to the website. It's posted on the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. My producer, Darren Wilhite. I'm your host, Carrie Hole. We're going to continue our conversation today with Dr. Scott Abraham from Apex Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Their website, and by the way, they've got a great website. It was up on their website. There's a ton of information up there. It's Apex. ApexOrthoKC.com. ApexOrthoKC.com. Or you can call them if you would like to do that. Maybe set an appointment, go in for an evaluation. 913-642-0200. 913-642-0200 is the phone number. They'll be happy to chat with you and see if they can help you if you're if you're manifesting any of these issues that you just heard doctor describe, probably a good idea to go have it checked out. So that's how, that's how you would do that. All right. So let's talk a little bit about um, how you diagnose, um, you know, symptom history, what kind of exams do you do, x-rays, MRIs, what what all is entailed when you're diagnosing somebody with this situation, doctor?
1: Sure. Usually uh, people come in, again, like I said before, uh, pain is the main complaint, Um pain with activity, pain pain with rest, pain at night. And so um, the initial thing that we'll do is we'll we'll take a history, find out how often do they have pain? What have they been taking? Are they taking an anti-inflammatory? Are they taking Tylenol? Like what have, what have they done? ibuprofen or something? Sure, okay. Aleve ibuprofen. What have they done in the past to help with their pain? Um, we'll do an examination of the knee. We'll check their motion. We'll see where their knee is tender at. That can give us an idea of where the, maybe the more pronounced arthritis is in that joint. Um, and then we'll do an X-ray, and X-ray usually is the um, the uh, imaging uh, modality of choice. That's what we'll do to to diagnose arthritis. You don't typically need an MRI scan or CT scan to okay. diagnose knee arthritis. You can usually see narrowing of the joint space. You can see these other secondary signs, uh, bone spurring, um, those sorts of things that that let us know that this is arthritis that's typically what we would do.
0: So basically it's those steps and then from there you can kind of make, make a determination. So so uh, decreased reins of motion. I do yoga and pilates. I mm-hmm. do it three times a week. How important is exercise if you if you if you're not a candidate to have to have surgery and you're, you're trying to stay fit and do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. How important is exercise when you said range of motion, right? That's what triggered the Pilates in my mind yeah. because that's what Pilates is all about. Right. How important is doing something like that to try to maintain that range of motion and all of the rest of it?
1: Well, actually people, even that have moderate arthritis, there's, there's really good evidence that regular exercise is good for those patients. They have less uh, pain than people who do not exercise, better motion, uh, they're able to cope better with their their arthritis. And so uh, a regular exercise program is very important for people even that have moderate uh, arthritis in their knees. Okay, so,
0: so, so
1: it, it, it's like so many other things. If you do exercise,
0: whether it's whether we're talking about weight issues or, or range of motion, or, or even if we're talking about things like dementia and Alzheimer's, exercise has a tremendous impact, and it's a positive impact. If you're willing to do it
1: absolutely yes
0: unfortunately in this country <laughs> we have a lot of people who are really good at sitting on a couch and not really good at getting out and doing anything
1: correct we struggle with that as a society yeah we
0: do seem to have a problem with that there's no doubt about it so yep. all right so let let's kind of roll into um and and we'll get into you know the actual procedure in in the next segment but you know so obviously um you know apex ortho is 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 a surgical facility but um, when people walk in the door, you're going through a whole host of options with them before you ever talk about surgery. So let's talk about Correct. all those things you do before you say,
1: yeah, you're a candidate for surgery. Right. So a lot of orthopedic treatment actually is non-surgical, particularly in knee, knee arthritis. And so... Um a lot of times we'll recommend uh, patients take an anti-inflammatory, a or ibuprofen, like we mentioned before. Uh, we will try uh, maybe a cortisone injection. I'm sure a lot of people have heard about people getting cortisone injections or have had them uh, themselves. Basically, cortisone is just an, an anti-inflammatory we're putting directly in, into the joint to decrease the inflammation and decrease the pain. Uh, there are joint lubricating injections we'll try. Where it tries to restore uh, the normal joint fluid that the body produces uh, that can help decrease pain and inflammation. Uh, newer um, options, non operative treatments, are stem cells and PRP injections. Uh, we're not really here to talk about those, but I, I have a partner who, who does those. Um, I think there's a lot of research being done in this area. It's not, uh, in my opinion, been proven. Uh, to actually to, to regrow cartilage or to work. But I think um, in the next five to 10 years, that may be refined further and actually may be um, a benefit for the, for the larger population. The downside to that procedure is that it's not covered by insurance. And it's, so it's out of pocket expense and it can be fairly expensive. Um, so some patients can't afford that, um, don't want to take the risk on that. Um, if those things don't work, and, and pain is really interfering with daily activities, and it's keeping uh, the patient from doing things they want or need to do, that's when we talk about surgical options, either full knee replacement or partial knee replacement.
0: Okay, so let's go back to one of those. Joint fluid therapy. Now, mm-hmm. I happen to have some personal experience that it wasn't me, but someone I worked with who was a big football player right. um, had that issue, and he called it... Called the chicken juice, correct? So, yeah. you, so you've heard that. Yeah, term. chicken grease, chicken rooster grease. comb. There's a so bunch you, of different. So you've terms heard that comment it. before. All right, right, so so explain that because that's I don't think a lot of people know so uh, how that works and what and how much of a difference does it make and how long does it last?
1: Right. So initially, it was actually made out of rooster combs. Believe it or not. Um, <laughs> And it, it's highly—it hyal- really was. It made. was correct. Okay. All right, it's—it's it's,
0: the chicken juice.
1: Okay, right. Okay, it, it's called hyaluronic acid, and so the ones on the market now are pretty much all synthetic. Okay. they're made in a lab, um, and so the idea hyaluronic acid is found in cartilage and it's found in joint fluid in the normal knees, and so the idea is if we can restore. Um, or replenish some normal joint fluid, maybe it's going to stabilize the cartilage that's left so that that it does not degenerate further. Um, It does not actually regrow cartilage. Uh, And I have some patients who get six months to a year relief from it. Um, It is kind of one of those things you just have to try. Some patients don't get any relief at all. Uh, And it's very difficult to predict who's going to get relief and who's not. So you just have to try it.
0: So it's kind of like the cortisone shots. My wife has gotten those cortisone shots and they last. Sometimes they last her for six months. It seems to be worse in the winter than it is in the summer in terms of the pain and the issues. Mm-hmm. Um, if she gets a cortisone shot, cortisone shot, it usually carries her through pretty much the winter yeah. and then she's good to go. But but so that, this is basically another treatment that is is that, that has that same lifespan. It may last six months, may last five months, may not last very long Correct. at all just depends on how it works. Yes. And you can do that multiple times.
1: You can do it every six months, correct.
0: Oh, So so it's every six months.
1: If if you need it every six months.
0: Okay, so that that, that makes perfect sense. All right, when we come back from the break, we're actually going to get into the surgery now. We're going to talk about, you know, this robotic, partial robotic surgery, how it works. We're going to talk about the partial replacement, total replacement. And this is kind of a, you know, Dr. Pi is kind of a pioneer in this field, this area. So we're going to talk about, you know, how that works and, and why that's a better procedure than the old, way of doing it if you will so stay tuned we'll be right back after the break with dr abraham talking more about this procedure you're listening to america's Healthcare advocate broadcasting on the HI radio network coast to coast across the usa we'll be right back Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, show broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Here on the HIE Radio Network, you can find out more about us by going to the website americashealthcareadvocate.com. If you've got a healthcare question, health insurance question, whatever it may be, feel free to give me a call. We will be happy to help you or go to the website, as I said, americashealthcareadvocate.com. In studio with me today, Dr. Scott Abraham from Apex Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Their website, Apex Ortho kc.com ApexOrthoKC.com. Their phone number, 913-642-0200 here in the KC Metro. Yes, we are broadcasting this on all 153 stations, and I don't expect you all to come flying in here to see the good folks at Apex. But on the other hand, if you chose to do that, um, Dr. Abraham, as we're going to talk about in this segment, is a pioneer in this field, especially with the partial robotic surgery. So I'm sure they'd be happy to chat with you. Once again, the website, apexortho kc.com all right doctor so prior to the show when we were sitting downstairs with diane and myself and you and we were talking about this she mentioned the fact that you actually are one of the first doctors in the country to start doing this so let's talk about this versus the old surgery what's different about this
1: and why is this much, so much better than the old way of doing it doctor sure so um traditional knee replacement um think of it as uh, the instruments that we use are based on a average of the population Okay, it's not it's not specific to that patient. Okay, and so um, uh, some patients may have a little bit different um, angles or anatomy or biomechanics about their knee um, that may or may not um, fit the traditional instrumentation that we've used for you know a very long time. The advantage of a robotic knee replacement, in my opinion, is that um, we are. Uh, restoring that patient's um, knee anatomy to the the best way that we can, as precisely as we can, as accurately as we can. And so the robot actually helps me map, map out that patient's knee real time during surgery so that I can know exactly how much bone to remove, how much laxity or tightness to allow in the joint. Um, it gives me a digital feedback um, uh Real time during surgery that that you never get with standard instrumentation. Uh, The feedback you get with standard instrumentation is your hands and your experience level. Okay, and so um, you know there's you know the question is always is is the human hand and human brain better than a computer uh, for balancing things? Um, It's probably both, and so the robot gives me good digital feedback that can be uh, corroborated with manual feedback.
0: How interesting.
1: So basically you're custom fitting this thing to
0: regardless of size, gender, whatever the case may be, by using that the robot and being able to digitally see live while you're doing the surgery, what you're dealing with, how big, how small, whatever how it's going to fit, the angles all the rest of it, this allows you to do that in a very precise manner and and it's much more accurate it sounds like. Correct. You're not so- guessing with you know, by touch, you feel, etc. As you said, it's a combination of both, but this really kind of maps it
1: out? Correct. So we literally take a stylus, so to speak. It's like a pencil tip. This is an optical system we use and we paint over the end of the bones and it maps it out real size digitally where I'm looking at a screen and then I get to choose the size of component that we use based on what the computer recommends, We can shift where that component is going to be digitally before we resect any bone or do any other sort of resection. So you can actually basically know what the knee is going to look like when it's done before you've even made any cuts on the bone or put any implants in. And you can change that digitally before you accept that and move on to the next step in surgery.
0: This sounds like a tremendous leap forward. I mean, this is like, uh, you know, this is, sounds actually remarkable from the standpoint of being able to get it right the first time you do it um, and make sure that it's the optimal situation for that patient. And I got to believe that recovery time this way it's got to be shorter. It's got to be a little better than what it was before because you are, you're literally making this thing fit perfectly where, where you're putting it in or as close to perfect as you can.
1: Uh, yes, I think recovery has been shortened somewhat. Okay. I, and honestly, I'm mostly concerned about long-term outcomes in patients okay. uh, because if you look at um, patient-reported outcomes after knee replacement, about 20% of patients are not really happy with their knee replacement at a year out from surgery why is that? Is that because there's some subtle malalignment or subtle laxity in that joint that we can't feel and we can't see on an x-ray, we can't feel it with our hands? And so if we can put the knee replacement in more precisely, better balanced, using a computer to help us balance it and help us place the components, then in theory, we're going to get that 20% of patients that at a year aren't exactly happy with their knee replacement.
0: That, that, that's, that, that's a tremendous improvement. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least it seems to me that it is. So these components, I assume they must come in different sizes and different shapes so that you, they're not all the same, obviously, so
1: that you can put them in, yes? Correct. This system, um, uh, we have eight different sizes of thigh bone and eight different sizes of shin bone, and then the plastic in between is multiple different sizes. And so um, y- y- the computer, can we can size one of those eight to match the patient. So it's not an actual patient-specific implant, um, but think of it as more as a patient-specific surgery in that um, we're restoring the mechanical alignment of that knee and the balance of that knee uh, to the best way that we can. It's
0: pretty remarkable. So, So what's the difference between that surgery and the partial Replacement. So let's talk about that. So,
1: a so um, a partial knee replacement is when we just replace one side of the joint. It's particularly the medial side or the the inside of the joint. Okay. That's usually the most common um, side of the knee that that gets um, arthritis when it's just isolated to one area of the knee. And so we can use the robot to do a partial knee replacement. Or we can use it to do a full knee replacement and so it's 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 versatile in that uh, way and that we can we can do partials and full knee replacements with it.
0: Okay, so basically if it's a partial it's, it's somebody that doesn't have a severe problem as somebody that needs the full knee replacement.
1: Correct. So if you think of the knee as three compartment three compartments, the medial, the lateral and then the patellofemoral or the kneecap compartment. Okay. Um, you can replace just one compartment. The majority of the time it's the medial compartment. Uh there This system does allow for a lateral compartment or a patellofemoral compartment. So it has the ability to do partial knee replacements anywhere in the knee. Uh, But if you look at um, the common things that we see, it's almost always medial compartment. It's very rare to find someone that has isolated lateral compartment disease. And so when you look at the ones that we're doing, it's almost all medial compartment.
0: Okay. So I know that you can do this at your outpatient facility, or you can do it at St. Joseph's Chondelet where you practice. Question, what determines whether or not you're going to do it as outpatient and release them the same day, as we talked about prior to the mm-hmm. broadcast, or you're going to put them in the hospital uh, and do it there and then keep them in for several days afterwards, right. doctor? Uh,
1: so y- Correct. We we have the robotic system at, at two locations at Overland Park Surgical Suites. It's our outpatient surgery center, and then at St. Joseph Medical Center. And the discussion as to whether someone is a candidate for a um, outpatient procedure, meaning going home the same day, is a pretty involved one. Um, it, it's a it's a twenty to thirty minute discussion in the office that I have with the patient, and a lot of factors go into that decision. Medical comorbidities. Are there other medical issues? Diabetes. Heart heart problems, lung problems that may say, you know, we probably need to, to do this surgery at a hospital so you can stay at least one night overnight and then maybe go home the next day. Um, you have to have pretty good social support at home if you're going to go home the same day. Oh, yeah. You've got to have someone to help you. Yeah. Um, you're not going to be running. Right. Right. <laughs> We need to have um, therapy set up in place for you to, to start outpatient therapy the day after surgery. And so that's a pretty long discussion that we have um, in the office to really determine what's the best thing for that particular patient. Do we need to stay in a hospital? Are they someone that would be able to go home the same day?
0: Okay, so two things uh, as we wrap this segment. Number one, I know one of the questions I'm going to get, and I'm going to get a lot of texts and emails,
1: Insurance. Oh, is this covered? This is right. new.
0: Is it covered under right. insurance, doctor?
1: So th- there's no difference in, in in cost to the insurance company. So, um, basically, the um, cost of the system really is on the hospital and or on the surgery center that buys it. Um, and so, insurance doesn't reimburse us anymore. There's usually not any other pre-certification that doesn't that needs to happen. Um, the other robotic system that's out there uses a preoperative CT scan. Sometimes that's difficult to get to approved. Get the CT scan. You got to get yeah. it before. Yeah. This system doesn't use that because it's all done lifetime interoperatively during surgery. Wow. And so uh, there's no issue with preapproval for other imaging that, that might be required by other systems.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to come back after the break. We'll wrap it up. We'll talk more with Dr. Abraham about some of the other things he do um, at Apex Ortho uh, here in Kansas City. That website is apexorthokc.com, apexorthokc.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting on the HIA radio network, coast to coast across the U.S.A. Welcome back to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast-to-coast across the Fruited Plain here on the HIA Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to our website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. If you want to learn more about Dr. Abraham and all the services that are offered at Apex Orthopedic and Sports Medicine, their website, and it's a very good one, is apexorthokc.com, apexorthokc.com. Phone number, 913-642-0200, 913-642-0200. Zero. If you want to call them, set an appointment, go in, you heard what the doctor said. They go through a whole series of protocols before they talk to you about surgery. In fact, he told me uh, before we were on air that one of the things he really enjoys doing the most is telling people, you don't need surgery. So there again, folks, uh, you might you might want to think about that. If you have an issue, it's always better to look at it uh, earlier rather than later. All right, doctor, so let's talk about one of the show notes that I got was about new protocols. And periarticular injection. Did I get it right? You got it right. Oh, God, it's amazing. I'm surprised <laughs> they didn't blow it. All right, so let, let's talk about that. And you mentioned off air while we were on break um, that actually this has made a huge difference. So let's talk a bit about this.
1: Right. So, w- one question a lot of patients have is how in the world can you send me home from a major surgery um, the same day? Yeah. Because That's a great I, I had a grandmother who had a knee replacement. She was in the hospital for five days, right? right. Is the story that you hear. And so, um, how we're able to do that is we're, we're much better about pain control than we were probably 10 or 15 years ago. Uh, we've, we've introduced some medications that have decreased the risk of blood loss after surgery. Cause one of the risks after knee or hip replacement is blood loss enough that someone needs a blood transfusion. Okay, And so if you can decrease those risks, if you can control their pain better, then patients can go home on oral pain medicine. And so, um, uh, in, in the world of pain control, what we're doing is we're doing an injection around the joint capsule at the end of surgery. It's a cocktail of medicines. There's an analgesic in there. There's, um, um, there's an epinephrine to keep it from getting reabsorbed too quickly. Uh, there's an anti-inflammatory in this injection that we put around uh, around the joint. And so that in combination with a nerve block that the anesthesiologist is doing before surgery those two things can last 12 to 18 hours. And so if, if we can decrease the brain's insult or, or, or um, perception of pain from the very beginning, then that patient requires less narcotics long-term. They don't need to be on a PCA. They don't need to be on a morphine pump after surgery. And so the nerve block, in addition to the periarticular injection, um, has really decreased their pain enough that they can get up and walk an hour or two after surgery. Wow. And they can go home. They can go home on an oral pain medicine. Um, uh, we're giving a medication called tranexamic acid or TXA. That's to decrease blood loss, and so we don't have to worry about patients needing blood transfusions uh, after surgery. And so it's really paved the way for us to be able to uh, discharge patients the same day um, to the comfort of their own home. And start therapy the next day and feel you know comfortable that that it's safe and effective
0: okay so that that first 12 to 18 hours that's great what happens what happens in our 19 20 and 21
1: so after that patients do have narcotics that we prescribe for them and and usually it's enough um again if if the brain doesn't get the initial 12 to 18 hours of pain sensation then it it resets the barometer so to speak for the brain. How and so they don't actually require as much pain medication as they would have needed had we not done those two things. So that's why you hear so often get it under control initially and keep it under control
0: because if you don't it starts yo-yoing up and down then it becomes a nightmare. Is that basically correct?
1: Yes. How yes. interesting.
0: So what so all right so they're home, they've had the pain med, they're they're, they're you know they're in the second day what are they supposed to be doing then? I mean, are they coming in getting physical therapy? Or are they just told go out and walk around the block? How does all that no, work?
1: We usually have it set up for them to start therapy the next day or at most two days after surgery at a physical therapy facility that's close to their home so that they can get in with a the therapist. And they're doing therapy two to three times a week for four to six weeks on average. Okay, so that's what it takes. Correct. Two to three so,
0: times a week for four to six right. weeks.
1: It's not just the surgery. You, no. gotta, you have to have a good therapist. You have to have a motivated patient to have a good outcome.
0: Okay, so they, so in other words, they have to be motivated and they have to participate. And if if they're going to make this successful, a lot of that depends on their level of cooperation doing all the things they're supposed to do.
1: Absolutely. I tell patients all the time, my job is done in about an hour and a half or two hours. The rest is up to them. After that point, I'm just a coach, I'm just there to, you know, make sure that nothing is going wrong, nothing bad is happening. The rest of it, the rest of it is up to the patient.
0: And I assume that this gets progressively better. So week three, it's better. Week four, it's better. Week five, it's better. Typically, and week yes. week six, you're basically cut loose, um, typically, um, if you follow protocol and do the things you're supposed to do.
1: Yes, usually uh, partial knee replacements, I tell patients it's about a six-week recovery. Full knee replacements, it's more like 12. Okay. A full knee is a much harder recovery than a partial knee. Um, not everyone is going to therapy the entire 12 weeks. Again, most people, it's about six weeks. Okay. So, so this is definitely, it, this is not something that you approach lightly. I mean, you're, you're you know, a full knee
0: replacement, 12 weeks, that's three months of dealing with this. Uh, and I'm assuming that's not a particular
1: picnic, right? The first two to six weeks are difficult. Yeah. correct yeah. Um, most people are very happy that they've had it done once they've recovered
0: and that's interesting because I've got a good friend who had both of them done mm-hmm. um, and um, uh, he it was it was difficult okay but he would not go back to what he was doing before even though you know to, in his words it was somewhat of a hellish experience afterwards correct um, uh, but now that he's done with it he's he, he couldn't be happier and it's made a huge difference right
1: and we're trying to do things like the injection to make things easier for patients so the experience well, a, isn't isn't quite as bad
0: yeah that sounds like you know that that sounds like that's made a really big difference for
1: people. it has right. yes
0: so before we wrap it up what what are some of the you know it's apex orthopedic and sports medicine you're the guy that does knees and and, and hips and that kind of thing what else do you do at apex with i.e. I, sports medicine
1: uh, I, I have several partners that specialize in sports medicine um, we uh, cover Uh, several high schools around town Uh, we cover sporting kc kansas city ballet Um, we basically cover um, head to toe orthopedics Uh, we don't do a lot of spine uh, but shoulders knees hips elbows we have fellowship trained sports medicine doctors fellowship trained uh, hand surgeons uh, foot and ankle surgeons so we really uh, feel, like we, uh, provide com- correct. We feel like we provide comprehensive orthopedics. Well, thank you very much for
0: taking time to do this today. I know you're extremely busy, but uh, I appreciate your coming up and educating our audience today uh, on how this surgery works and what a difference it can make for them. Thank you, doctor. You're welcome. The, the website again is apexorthokc.com, apexorthokc.com. The phone number, 913-642-0200. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I leave you with this thought from Dr. Martin Luther King. America. Americans must learn to live together as brothers and sisters, or we will surely perish together as fools. Thank you for listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HI Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. Goodbye, America.